Demonium Reigns. Hey, Demonium Reigns. I'm Dan. He's Mike. Thank you for liking and subscribing, for hanging out with us. Um, that was not a word. With us, uh, in your business, in your ears, in your speakers, letting us tickle your ears. Got a good time planned for you guys today. Uh, had a couple of uh, days to process what took place on Saturday. Saturday was one of those days, I'm still in a Joe Clatt line, but Saturday was one of those days that makes you fall in love with the sport all over again. Felt like, you know, we, a lot of people talked about this being a renaissance season with all the changes that are coming. Uh, we talked about it last year some too. Um, and and Saturday was a vintage day, man. Good matchups in week two. A yeah. uh, bunch of them that we're about to talk about. A lot of smash mouth football um, with the modern elements of the pass game and, and all the beautiful touches that we like on it. But uh, yeah, great day of football. Yes, yes. Which leads us into our conversation. Alabama hosting Texas. Crimson Tide 24, Texas Longhorns. 34. What you make of this game, man? Wow, man. I mean, I was beyond impressed by Texas. With the way and 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 subsequently not very impressed at all about Alabama. When let me just start with this. When Kevin Steele came down there, my thought was not all these people making jokes about, oh my gosh, they're falling back to Kevin Steele. They can't get anyone else. Yada yada yada. My thought was him and Saban have the same mindset. They speak the same lingo. This is a good move, probably. I mean, sure, you could get a young guy that might be somewhat more energetic, yada, yada, yada. They've had him. But I was like, he's got the same mindset. They speak the same lingo. They want to do the same things. This should be a good thing because mm -hmm. we know they've still got personnel. Yeah, they lose games now more than they used to, but they've got the personnel, yada, it's going to be great. Texas kind of made it look like Tennessee with the way those deep bombs were going. Uh, of course, they yeah. didn't, the game wasn't that high scoring. Part of that's Alabama and, and losing a guy like Bryce Young. Mm -hmm. But the, the deep balls from Ewers, one of them being just a flat-footed, just him yeeting it, crescent moon uh, via the 2022 Tennessee offense, if you will. And, and those receivers are legit. Quinn Ewers is legit. To me, he's probably my Heisman frontrunner. I know Travis Hunter's doing a lot of things, and we'll talk about those later on sure but yeah i think yours is probably set for new york city if he builds on that performance the way that their schedule could allow him to absolutely well, focusing on texas as of right now i have them in the playoffs they were so good come saturday yeah. night quinn ewers uh and again just looking at this from a paper perspective quinn ewers who looks slender by the way looks like he oh, lost a little bit of weight a lot. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I was. Yeah. I see. I was. I was paying attention mostly to Tennessee Austin P. But he looks sure. slender. Uh, looks like an athlete out there. I thought post game he was actually rather humble. I was expecting a little bit of a different personality. Could have been because of the mullet or then like there of the mullet. But Texas is legit. The receiver room is probably one of the best in the nation. Ad Mitchell had a really good night. Obviously Xavier Worthy had a really good night. Then you got Jordan Whittington. You've got their tight end. Whose name is Jatavion Sanders, who led them? Yeah, who led them in uh, receiving yards, 114. I mean, Texas in this moment, it's it's going to get arguably easier. We can at least say favorable for them here on out. Their their schedule is incredibly favorable. Percentage wise, zero to a hundred chance of getting into the playoffs. What do you think? Oh man, I mean. 
gosh, I'm tempted. Uh, my first thought was 95. I'm going to come down to, you know, 80, 85. But I mean, they're set. Yeah. They're set yes. up. Now they can afford a uh-huh. loss where a team like Alabama can't. A team like LSU can't afford another loss. Let's just play the game of elimination. And those are two major players in the SEC West that have to run the table, including winning the SEC championship probably, to get yes. in the, to the 14 playoff. So you, you've you've done massive elimination things via LSU, uh, FSU, LSU, Texas beating Bama. Their schedule being fairly favorable. I mean, we talked about in the offseason they're going to have a Texas-sized target on their backs with them leaving yeah. the Big 12 and the yep. bitterness and the pettiness there. But when we said those things, that's not counting on Baylor looking bad. Sure, they they have to go there and win that game, but they look terrible yeah. right now. Right. Um, you've, you've got Kansas and Oklahoma shortly after that, and then it gets much lighter until Kansas State. Uh, travels to Texas, who who hosts that game. I mean, their chances are great right now. They here's here's a thing that I said to you during the game. I said if they don't win this game against this Alabama team, and I think they had the lead at the time, but Bama was threatening. Um, they I don't think they'll ever be air quotes back because that's always the conversation. Are they back? Yeah, they're back. Yes. No, they're not back. Well, yes, this is as close as they look to back of doing the things that Texas should be doing. And again, the schedule gets so much more favorable when you talk about knocking down who was Goliath, who has been Goliath, and then having a week or two to get ready for Oklahoma maybe. Uh, don't be, you know, don't get tripped up by Kansas. Get through Kansas State. You can probably afford a loss if you're on the rest of the table. They've got a great chance. Absolutely. Let's look at this for the distant future. What does this win mean in Tuscaloosa for the narrative as they go into the SEC? What do you think? I didn't think that – I certainly think they're more ready than Oklahoma at, at as of September 2023. I think they're more ready than Oklahoma because of the steps that Sark has taken roster-wise. Mm-hmm. Now they've done it on the field, which was really the last major question in my mind for them coming in. But I think this is a great sign for them. I mean, their defensive line was so fierce Saturday night. It was arguably dominant. I mean, they lived in the backfield. They, they made Milrow have to use his legs probably more than he even wanted to unless it was a design play. I think they're ready, man. I mean, their offensive line held up quite nice. Uh, Bama, sure, they got uh, near you or some, but they didn't just terrorize them like they used to do to everyone. Their their receivers were fantastic against SEC cornerbacks and safeties. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and they their running game was enough. That's kind of the yeah. way that the game is now. It, you, you're, you're really one or the other. It's so hard to find balance. And – their running game was enough. Mm-hmm. They're recruiting at an excellent level. It's only going to stay up there if it doesn't increase some more. Um, I mean, you could see them certainly living in the top three every year if, they, if they're if they winning. Uh, they've done yeah. it at times when they're not winning that, that, yeah. at that high level. I think they're ready, um, whereas I, I probably wouldn't have said that. I'd have had major questions about them coming into Saturday, and especially if they lost that game. I'm in 100% agreement with you, man. Uh, if if you're a Texas fan, you got to be excited coming off of that win in Tuscaloosa about the future of you being a Southeastern Conference member. Because if you lose that game, the narrative on you out there is, well, they just can't do it. And they're going to only join a uh, a bigger conference where the, 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 the weekly games look like this. So, uh, and if they were, if they were going to do it, <clears throat> This was the year to do it, right? And I think 100%. It, and I think it saddles well with everything that you just said about them being back and and then their future into the conference. But now let's shift gears to Bama a little bit. Yeah. I have a couple of questions that I want to throw at you 
uh, as we as we talk about Bama. We said over and over again, we did, the media did, everybody did, Alabama fans did. If you take Bryce Young off that 2022 Alabama football team, they're an eight and four squad. Are we getting a look at what that what this Alabama team would have looked like last year without Bryce Young? Are we are we I mean, is this what I'm getting at is is this an eight and four football team in Tuscaloosa? I, I never thought I'd see that day. And even saying those things last year, it's almost like you've got a, a wink going on and you you don't actually mean it because of the, of the level of trust that we've had in Saban. But, I mm-hmm. mean, it very well could be. Texas A&M was putrid last year in, in their record and the way that they played oftentimes. Well, Alabama's got to go to College Station, and their offense at yep. least looks like it's ramped up a step. Before yep. that, they're going to host Ole Miss, and you know you know that Lane is already dying on the inside, that he, that he wasn't a Saban assistant to beat him before now, now that Kirby's done it, mm-hmm. now that Jimbo's done it, now that – uh, Sark's done it. You know yeah. he has that circled. Um, they've got LSU, who, I mean, I don't think LSU's going to stink, and I, I, I definitely think they're going to force Alabama to score points more than just stifle LSU, that type of game where we used to see that. And then you've got Tennessee, who didn't look great, uh, you know, early in, in week one, especially not in week two. Uh, they don't look like 2022 Tennessee yet, but they can certainly give them problems. If, if those deep balls are there, if Tennessee mm-hmm. schemes those up the way that Texas did, the way that Tennessee did last year, there are losses on this schedule if they don't figure something out very quickly. I know that we've we've ever, a lot of these recaps we have talked about the urgency that teams have to have in fixing some of their problems. Yes, Texas has it to me on both sides of the ball. Yeah, yeah, Alabama has it on both sides of the ball. Excuse me. I heard I was just as confused. I was like, wait a second. I agree, but for some reason it doesn't sound right. <laughs> Alabama has it on both sides of the ball, and otherwise I think they could be a four loss team. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of this, their total outcome is going to come around quarterback play, which I want to talk about specifically in Saturday's game. Jalen Milrow had, let me look at this again, he was 14 for 27, 255 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Let's just talk about this for a second. Yeah. His first pick that he throws, he throws it um, basically in the flats, left side, and there is a corner sitting underneath it. And he, as soon as the snap is taken, he is staring that down. And I do not know how he does not see that corner sitting. The corner is basically sitting on his heels as well. Basically, like if you throw this to the flats, you're an idiot. Oh my God, you just threw it to the flats. You're an idiot. Yeah. Of course, of course that's him picked. Has another one. Um, I think there are actually only two. Um, I don't want to say eligible receivers, but only two receivers, pass catchers who ran routes, but he stares to the right side, throws it anyway, and of course it's picked. Now, then you have his two touchdowns. His first touchdown should have been a pick. I mean, yeah. it's 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 all but dropped like NCAA 14 and bounces, you know, perfectly for Jermaine Burton to make a, a an athletic catch. So if that's picked off, you're looking at and the and the narrative is totally different. I mean, the the hot seat is out on Jalen Milrow because you're talking oh, yeah. about one touchdown and three picks, and you know, the cutting into that yardage probably a little over just over 200. But if you're Bama, if you're a Bama fan, which we know you're not, we know, <laughs> we know. Are you, know you cool with Jalen Milrow going forward? Or what what do you, I mean? 
I'm not. I'm not based on on how that game unfolded, and and really to me, just from my memory of those plays, those picks, excuse me, being very similar. I mean, the main element being that he stares a guy down. There's an underneath DB on both occasions, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, sure, he's got his legs. They've been electric. They have made t- they have made disasters into touchdowns against MTSU in Texas. You brought Tyler Buckner in. Why did you do that? Can he? Can he? stand in that pocket and deliver a better pass and keep it away from the defense. Can Ty Simpson, who we know who he played against in high school, it wasn't the sharpest level of competition, but he looks like he's got the tools. Can he do it? I don't think Ty Simpson is going to be the one, but they've got USF coming up at USF. Play them all. You better play all three. You've, you don't have many more opportunities where you're going to be able to do things like that um, without it being real live SEC action. So I think you do it Saturday because I'm ready to see those guys if – if, if I'm an Alabama fan. What world are we living in? I had no idea that the Tide was playing at South Florida. Hey, the I'll tell you this, man. The the smaller schools are getting a little bit more diligent and or, or brave is probably the better word. They're getting a little bit more brave. If you'll throw in this amount of money, make it a home and home or whatever, or come down here, whatever, you know, same deal. So they're getting a little bit more brave. They're They're getting a little more bang for their buck. And what a world it is that that Alabama is traveling to USF. Yeah. Well, you're you you're going to color me surprised if that stadium is not sold out and and full of South Florida fans, right? It because be. like it be. Alabama is coming to town, so there's I'm a little bit hesitant to say, yeah, let's see all three quarterbacks. Okay, yes, you're going to be better roster wise and on paper much better than uh, than South Florida, but that. I'm not calling for an upset. I'm not calling for an upset, but could be a little more uncomfortable as an Alabama than you would like. Anyway, anyway. All right. So we heard all offseason that Bama is changing the DNA, right? They want to get back to the ground and pound. They want to, they want to shove it down your throat. Well, they had 35 attempts come Saturday for 107 yards. It's a 3.1-yard average. Jace McClellan was your leader by yard, 12 attempts, 45 yards. Second up was Jalen Morrow, 15 carries, 44 yards. And I just want to point out that Jace McClellan had a 15-yard rush, and if he doesn't get that, you're looking at 11 for 30, which is even worse. So yeah, if, if that is your DNA, and those are your rushing numbers. You know, I've talked about this in the past. That is not good enough, especially if you're going to have your starting quarterback be that inconsistent. Now, can he improve going forward? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of, of course he can. But how many, so in two games now for Bama, Texas and MTSU, we've we've gotten a special little feature by you know the broadcasters on the size of Alabama's offensive line. They're bigger than any other NFL offensive line. Okay, can we stop talking about that now? Because the numbers don't reflect the fat scale, yeah. <laughs> the, the size of the hogs up front. I mean, yeah. it's it, it's not a direct correlation. So Alabama's going to have to fix that fast. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the stats versus MTSU, McClellan was still in the 3.x range when he carried the ball. Now, he only got 10 attempts. They spread it around. Uh, they had a, a youngster go for 7.3. Roy Dell went for 5.1. Uh, 
you're not going to see those guys, though, if the game is, you know, against Texas or if it's against Ole Miss and that game's close. You're going to see Jace McClellan, then Roy Dell Williams as his backup. If that, and again, we heard so much about murder ball. That was the term because that's what they used to play. That's what we used to see. Yeah. yeah. And it's not happening on the field. This, I have this kind of similar feeling that I had about Florida when they lost at Utah. They didn't start that game down 24 to three or, or 24 to 11, even. They could have given the ball off earlier and more often, and they didn't. Yeah, so, they didn't. and again, in, in Florida kills McNeese State, and all we hear about is their rushing attack. Well, yeah. you didn't give it off when it mattered. You let the game get out of hand before you had a choice. Yeah. I don't know that I'd say the same about Alabama because that was a close game for a long time. It only ended up a 10 point loss. I mean, I just don't understand, though. If, if you want to talk about murder ball, and I understand that a lot of that is talking heads, sort of like ourselves. But some of that's probably coming from guys that have sources in the program. That's what they want to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. That's not absolutely. What we're absolutely. Absolutely. I'm gonna I'm gonna tie something together here, and then we're gonna end this conversation on Texas and Bama. So again, this is supposed to be the DNA of Alabama going forward. Murder ball. All the things that you just said. Now, I'm gonna go to Clemson, then I'm gonna come back to Bama. I'm gonna just use Clemson as an example. Like Clemson that. struggle bussing, right? Uh, Clemson's yeah. greatest teams. Elite quarterback play, right? Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, elite receiver play. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's pretty similar for Bama. Okay. So your two is, you know, your I mean, Jalen Hurts was was really good. Um, yeah. and then you had, you know, Mac Jones, who was extremely serviceable in that 2020 season, obviously had elite receiver play, but Steve Sarkeesian was your your um offense coordinator then, elite quarterback play in Bryce Young. Bama in 2023 is without both. Yeah. They are without elite quarterback play and they are without elite receiver play. And it yep. kind of comes back to is this an eight and four football team? Because if that is going to be your DNA and you can't run the ball and you're going to have to resort to throwing the ball to who? I, because don't get me wrong, Burton, you know, serviceable, above average receiver, Kobe Prince, good receiver, now black, mid black, however you say his name, good tight end. If I'm Alabama at this point, I'm not saying, you know, that the world is falling apart, but I'm concerned. They're not those guys. They're not the elite guys that they have. Kobe Prentice, blazing short guy. Isaiah Bond, blazing fast. Jermaine Burton hasn't quite looked right at Alabama, if you're asking me. I know he's had some stats to back to, to argue against that, but he's not quite looked right, even with Bryce Young throwing in the ball. But mm -hmm. I, I think there's more to it because these guys are blazing fast. They're good athletes. Be. They look very similar to the types of guys. They don't have that tall, you know. I mean, Jameson Williams and and you know, Jerry Judy, those guys are smaller guys. They're not huge. But something's off. I mean, I'm just saying something is off because the guys look very similar and they're just not getting the results last year with elite quarterback play. Yeah, yeah. And what about this transfer, Malik Benson? He's got one catch for five yards, and that was in the MTSU game. Where, 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 where's he at? So Yeah, I mean, he had two for 33 against Texas. That's not what Bama's doing with transfers. So I don't understand what that is either. Not a clue. All right, let's end this segment by me asking you this question. And I'm probably going to take the coward way out and not answer it. <laughs> okay. We'll see what happens. Is this the end of the Bama dynasty? 
Is this the beginning of the end of the Bama dynasty? I don't see a way back to the top for them right now. You got you got too many teams hogging the elite trench players. Now, Bama has that huge offensive line that we've heard about. We're not getting the results out of them that Georgia's getting out of them, that, that other teams are getting out of them. And now you've got way too many teams able to take away one or two players here or there. I mean, they were supposed to have the, the most dominant pass rush, the most, most lethal pass rush that they'd had last year, and they didn't. Mm. And they did nothing with it. They lost two games with it for the first time in forever. Yeah. So I don't see a path right now back to the top for them with Saban's age, the the assistants that they've had stolen hired away from them. They're not able to replace those guys somehow, which I just can't comprehend. I, I don't get it. I, I don't see a path back to the top for them over Georgia, over you know Texas. If they're entering this picture, is a massive problem for Alabama. I mean, and then you got resurging teams all around like Florida State, Tennessee looking on the up. Ohio State's not going away. Michigan looks good. I, I don't see a path right now back to the top for them. That's fair. That's fair. You know, what, what Saban has done is remarkable. Uh, one thing to get to the top, nothing to stay at the top. But at some point, it's going to come to an end. It's going to. It has to. I mean, he can't. He cannot yeah. live on forever. However, I'm going to take the cop out here and say, I don't think this is the beginning of the end of the dynasty. This is probably the closest we've ever come. Yeah, but I'm one of those. I'm not going to believe it until I see it. Right? Get what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yep. Not I just going don't to see the path back to a championship. Certainly not dynasty level multiple championships. All right. Well, let's end. Let's end this segment this way. Then is this a playoff team? No, it is not. There's there's too much traffic for a team Texas. with way too many issues. Fair. Texas goes into Alabama, gets a win, thirty four. 24 over the tide. Nebraska, Colorado, Cornhuskers, 14. Buffaloes, 36. Buffalo Stadium or whatever it's called. I don't even know the name of the stadium. That thing was on fire. It was really... The field was jumping. Yeah, that field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good to see the return of that rivalry, and it means something. The last time we saw that game played and it means something... 2001, really, you know, Eric Crouch was your Heisman winner. Miami Hurricanes were your national champion, and Cole, uh, I, I, I combined Colorado and Boulder to say colder. Colorado upsets Nebraska going um, just before the Big 12 championship game uh, with a running back, Chris Brown, if I remember right. Um, <clears throat> I was a freshman in high school. Don't judge me. <laughs> anyway, let's talk Colorado. Put up 36 points. Shooter Sanders is 97 yards away from 1,000. He is playing elite quarterback play. So looking forward to seeing him against a team like Oregon. Travis Hunter is proving to be that dude. So you've got your leaders and your dogs. If you know, you know. I'm, otherwise, I'm not going to explain it. <laughs> Listen, I just put something out on, on TikTok and Instagram not long ago. And I'm going to stand by it. <laughs> I should because I just said it. Travis Hunter and Shador Sanders are leading this Colorado team to a potential 10-plus win season. Wow. Argue with me, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, uh, you know, they've got the bulletin board material. When they do – I so wish I'm, – I'm, I'm getting a little tired of Colorado. Let me say that, say that first. But I want them to beat Oregon. Oregon and Dan Lanning had the major bulletin board material talking about Colorado's not done anything and yada, yada, yada. And when it came to time to talking about leaving the conference and who's staying, who's going where, whatever, he had a major, major comment that will be 100% probably not even need to be said in Colorado's locker room. But, yeah, I mean, that's going to be a an absolute shootout. The week later, it's USC. If you don't think USC will score 50 on them, but they'll probably do the same to USC. I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, yeah, those two guys, and they're playing for the stats. Their their play calls are are poised just to get these guys to New York City, or at least one of them, and and yeah. to award mm-hmm. ceremonies all over the country for Blitnikoff and Blit, uh, Thorpe and just everything. They're playing for the numbers and the stats, it looks like. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with that. The, the energy is more intoxicating than I've ever seen in recent history for sure. I can't think of a time when Colorado or a program like that that's been so far removed from the spotlight was like, nah, dog, I'm diving into the spotlight. Deal with me. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to talk about Colorado's future going forward. And if Dion continues the success, I'm going to come back and and, and make a, a recall a statement that you made when we discussed them in the offseason. Let's say he either wins the Pac-12. Well, no, no, no. I don't know that winning the Pac-12 is really that realistic. They're they're really good. That's still a, yeah. a tall task. Let's say they either go to the title game and lose or turn out a nine and three or ten and two season. Is he in Colorado after year one? If he continues his success, if he does it again in year two, how much longer is he in Colorado? I mean, is is he going to see this thing through for the long run? I would be, I would be shocked. I would be concerned slightly about his mental health if he did do that because he's going to be in that position where every program, every major program that needs a coach is calling. I mean. If, if, if Napier doesn't work out, why wouldn't they call him? If Cristobal doesn't work out in Miami, why would they not call him? And he's looking up. He's looking more up than, than he was last year for sure. But, I mean, if these, if these programs need coaches, why are they not calling him? And what on earth is he doing if he wants to live through the portal and the talent in Colorado and they're near, nearby there over the talent in Florida or Texas if, if they move on from Jimbo in the next little bit? I mean – why would you stay? What what on earth could pull you there when you you've barely been there? I mean, I just don't I don't know. Well, nonetheless, let's see this through the the twenty three season. Are you in agreement with me? Is this a is this a nine and three, ten and two football team? Yeah, I mean, I don't remember what we set our ceiling and such at, but it was it wasn't even bowl eligibility for sure. But let's say they – I mean, let's say they do snap Oregon or USC, and that's a big, big ask, and that I don't think they're quite ready for that yet. They can get in the shootout that, with South Carolina, South, Southern California. They can they can yeah, do that. Yeah, 100% they can. But, I mean, you've got a few ranked opponents. You've got Oregon State that's looked better. You've got Washington State that's looked better in the last couple of years. You've got UCLA that you'll definitely be able to get in a shootout with. All these teams that you, that you truly might – and this is bananas to say – that you truly might out-talent with a three-headed monster or so of Shadur Sanders, Travis Hunter, Xavier Weaver. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about that. We're talking about Colorado out-firepowering people with like three dudes or four dudes. 
Yeah. 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 Which is, which is just wild. And yeah. when you consider this game against Nebraska, they were 33 rushing attempts for only 58 yards, but Sanders threw for 393. Yeah. And, just, and it's kind of, it's just a touch of what I mentioned with Texas against Alabama, just enough to, to make you think twice if they run a play action or to make you respect it a little bit. But I mean, if Shador sees Weaver and he sees his numbers, sometimes he don't even need to do that. He's just going to throw it to him. That guy's going to go up and get it. You might I as mean, well. We talk about their, you know, that's a bad average rushing the football, but they gave their uh, their lead guy, I'm trying to remember his name, Dylan Edwards, they gave him nine attempts and he made 55 yards out of that. So, I mean, I just, I think they're much more interested in passing the ball. They, they want to do anything and everything sexy that they can. Um, that's just what I'm, my read on them so far, but yeah. it's working while they're doing it, which is not usually the result you get. For sure, for sure. I want to recall that text between you and I, if you can pull that up on Travis Hunter and the numbers that he had. I got you. Um, you know, basically going both ways. While you're doing that, I'll touch on him for a minute. He is that dude. This guy yeah. is unbelievable in, in what he is doing. The ability to play... Uh, both sides of the ball, and at the level in which he is playing uh, both sides of the ball. Let's see, receiving department, he was three catches for 73 yards. Um, that's a 24.3 yards per catch with a long of 40. We know he's got a pick out of the TCU game. Let's see if I can find a defensive stat line on him while you were still pulling that up. Oh, my gosh, he was uh, – Four tackles, uh, um, a pass deflected. The dude is just all over the field. And at this rate, at this rate, we make sure this is clear and understood for those listening. At this rate, if he continues this, there is absolutely no reason why he should not only be in New York come the Heisman ceremony, but there's also no reason he shouldn't be the one holding the trophy uh, when the night is done, because the Heisman is the most outstanding player, and he is outstanding. He 100% is. He's already in two games. He's got more scrimmage yards than Jabril Peppers had when he was a Heisman finalist, and he's already got the same number of interceptions at one, mind you. But, yeah, you're 100% correct. Dion is going to play any chance that he gets to win and get those guys the the numbers and the ball. He's going to do it, and it's it's remarkable to watch. Sanders looks like a, I mean, he just looks like an old pro at, at this point. Some of the plays that he's making in the backfield, spreading it out to these guys. Hunter is not only is he most outstanding, like you're talking about. If he keeps this up, um, he is the most deserving number one player as he was rated coming out of high school that I've seen in some time. Mm-hmm. There's no question in my mind that he's in that ballpark mm-hmm. of dudes yeah, going to make a difference on a Colorado team, not on a team that's reloading and restocking like, you know, uh, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, et cetera. He's not yeah. that guy. He is doing this at Colorado where he is like head and shoulders above most of his teammates at talent wise. Now, again, we'll see these tests that they have against Oregon and USC, what, what he's able to do in those games. But I mean, think about it. If he picks off Bo Nix or, or, or Caleb Williams, and does stuff defensively on top of what they're doing, getting him the ball offensively, missing less than 20 snaps on either side of the ball in a given game. How can you not give him the trophy? It would be the right thing to do. It would be the and, right and thing to do. 
it'll actually be tough in the situation as well for the, the, the voters that don't typically watch college football. Oh yeah. It'll be tough for them to keep their eyes off Colorado. It's going to be tougher <laughs> than, you know, some Max Dugan last year coming out of TCU. Yeah, the whole Colorado Dion primetime thing might actually play into Travis Hunter's favor with the the people who don't know what they're doing as far as voting goes. Hey, let's spend 30 to 60 seconds here wrapping up this segment and talk Nebraska um, <clears throat> or Nebraska. Uh, I'm going to give you a quick fill in the blank. Nebraska is what? So untalented. They're <laughs> untalented. They also whiffed so so greatly on in the quarterback portal. I just don't know, unless they were terrified of their offensive line, why it's Jeff Sims that you get. Same question I have for Florida and Graham Mertz. I don't know why you don't sell your soul for, for someone a little bit more high profile. Um, I know it's tough to pull a Hartman when he's interested in Notre Dame or perhaps they're NILing, NILing him to South Bend. But, yeah, I just don't understand those decisions. He's a fantastic athlete, but he's not the guy. They certainly don't have – all the other positions taken care of outside of quarterback. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to end it, uh, this segment by just saying this Nebraska is sad. Very sad. Jeff Sims has got to improve. And if I am the Nebraska athletic director, I'm calling the Big 12 and I'm saying, what do you want? How much to take us back? Nebraska could not even hold their own against Colorado in Boulder uh, Saturday night. Nebraska is sad. Miami hosted the Aggies on Saturday in Coral Gables. 48,000 fans. Now, I don't know whose fans they were. Came out to (laughs) Hard Rock Stadium. Um, But that was 75% capacity, according to ESPN. It's just so sad how far the U.S. has fallen in that department. Missed the OB. But... Miami takes a big step forward Saturday in the program. Crystal Ball takes a big step forward in the program. Miami gets a big monkey off their back for their program, for their football team, with a 48-33 win over the Aggies. And the first thing that catches my attention regarding this game is that the the over-under was set at 50-and-a-half. Man. And Miami hit 48. I bet you I sat right here and I said I'll go under. I bet you I did that. (laughs) We probably both did. (laughs) Yeah. Probably both did. And and they got to 75. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we whiffed, which is, we, we, we do quite a bit. Yeah. Large in part because of Tyler Van Dyke, who was 21 for 30, 374 yards and five scores. We've alluded to this a little bit in our previous segments, just talking about how the game has shifted. Um, It's, you know, the NFL is a passing league and college football is becoming a passing game. And you know what? That will do it, Donkey. That will do it. That will indeed do it. I was really impressed with that guy, Van Dyke. Uh, Had draft buzz last year, if you'll remember. Yep. And then they went five and seven ish and they looked garbage, not ish, just garbage, full <laughs> garbage. That's yeah. how they looked. And I sat here when we previewed this game and I said, if I liked anything about Miami, it's that they've got Parrish back for his 27th year in college. He's, mm-hmm. he's an old veteran. We don't know yeah. much about AM's rush game, even though Wigman, as, as I heard it pronounced Saturday, looked much improved. Tyler Van Dyke, arguably his full blown coming out party, if he's not had one that welcomed him into that draft status that they talked about 
that was it. 374 and five, like you mentioned, spreading it around. I mean, mm-hmm. look at their top three receivers, six, five, and six receptions uh, apiece, mm-hmm. none less than 75 yards, three touchdowns for Jacoby George for the U. And they made Texas A&M secondary look rather silly on multiple occasions. The tackling, yes. the, the space that they created. Just Texas A&M, maybe their, their, their woes have flipped from offense to defense, but they don't look prepared to face a lot of the passing attacks that they're going to face this year in Knoxville. When they uh, square up with Jackson Dart and Ole Miss, I, I worry about them in that regard. We heard that that yeah. was one of their thinner groups, their secondary, and boy, do I really worry about that group. Sure, they can create problems up front. They're fast as get all get out. Wasn't enough to prevent Miami from going off. For sure. For sure. Is it time for us to start considering Miami as a legit threat in the ACC? Well, I'll tell you this. As of right now, I don't care about Clemson's second half uh, against the Eastern version of the Sisters of the Foreign Blind. Uh, I don't care about that because of the nature of that game leading up to that point. Who I do care about in the ACC is Florida State and, and Miami. And yeah. we get one of those games in about a week's time, about 10 days' time. Yes, yes. Well, North Carolina is going to be a threat as well. I, I believe that they are improved. But uh, just touching on those guys just for a second, Power 5 schools, listen to me. Stop scheduling Appalachian State. And if you're going to keep doing it, they're going to write the check, not you. <laughs> yeah, facts, facts. Well, what does this mean for the Miami program going forward for this season for you know just, just the future of the Hurricanes? This is just massive. I mean, they're already winning recruiting – uh, battles. We know that their NIL is aggressive. It's it's as aggressive as 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 A&M's probably is for that matter. Uh, mm. This was like a an NIL brand off for for that matter on in one regard on the field. But I mean, listen, they don't play uh, an opponent that can test them until the middle of October. They play North Carolina on yeah. October fourteenth at North Carolina. We know that home field is not really a thing for Miami anyway. Uh, right. Then they host Clemson, who looks as gettable as they've looked since Dabo exploded there, uh, you know, going back 10 years. They look yeah. great. Yeah. They, they look like they can really compete in this conference. They look like they're going to give every secondary in that conference problems. I think this bodes really well for them because I had major questions for them with everything we saw just a year ago. Now, again, they're recruiting, landing guys like Francis Mangoa, who, who Tennessee and, and us, we really wanted that guy. He's yeah. playing down there as a true freshman. That's, that bodes super, super well for them Yeah, uh, because I wasn't the biggest mm. believer in Cristobal not you know, not only because of last year. I just wasn't there yet, but it looks like I mean, think about what a turnaround it would be if they go even nine and three, or if they go ten or eleven wins Absolutely. in, in twenty twenty three, a year off of that terrible twenty twenty two performance. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's those are the steps that you take to bring the U back. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. A and M, did they take a step back? I mean, what's up with the Aggies? <sighs> Well, you know, one, again, going back to it, I, I had questions about their rushing attack. Unlike Alabama, unlike Florida, where I complained about the number of touches for their lead guy, they gave it to their guy 18 times. Yeah. Uh, they did. They only got 3.4 out of that. Now, we know that Wigman, he looks legit. He looks better. Now, he did throw he two does. picks. Let's not, let's not ignore that. But that, he had 53 attempts. So, and, and for the longest time there, they were, you know, playing for from arm's length is what Miami had them at, and then it was more than that late in the game. So, mm-hmm. again, two picks on 53 attempts, that's understandable. He did have 336, two scores. Evan Stewart is a problem, 
Yes. I don't know how many more problems they have after that because even Anaya Smith, who we've known for a couple years, he only had three receptions for 27 yards. I mean, mm-hmm. sure, they've got Stewart. What do they have after Wigman and Stewart, though? Well, this five-star Reuben Owens didn't prove to be much, so no, I'm didn't. not real sure to how to answer your question, truthfully. Uh, all I know is that I saw Jimbo Fisher complaining about officials. I watched a lot of this game, man. I don't, I don't quite know what he's got to complain about that much. I'm sure I'm forgetting something here or there, but I watched a lot of this game, if not all of it, and I'm just not there with him when I see the tackling, when I see still some offensive issues specific. And if it's the running game, that's an issue. I kind of get that with Petrino. I, I do. But, again, if you're not much improved off of the garbage that you were offensively in 2022, mm-hmm. it's not going to be enough to, to make the talks of them paying that massive buyout go away. Yeah. yeah. For A&M, yeah, you're talking about Jimbo Fisher, sorry. Uh, for A&M, that is going to be their easiest road contest. Probably ever. Yeah. Um, I will say this, though, as we as we begin to end this segment. If Miami can beat Bethune, which they should, beat Temple, which is at Temple, which they should, I guess that will be the Al Golden Bowl, yeah. and then host Georgia Tech, beat, win that game, which they should, if they can go to North Carolina and win that game, I am really interested to see Hard Rock Stadium come – or when Clemson comes to town and Miami hosts that. That that could be a sight to see. I, I would love to yeah. see that for Miami because I think college football is better when Miami is good. They're definitely among those brands that that are like that. And yeah, I you know, I don't mind North Carolina, but for, for the sake of the sport, for the sake of Miami and the U, I want to see an undefeated Miami and a one loss Clemson. But that would mean they beat Florida State. I don't know if that happens, but give me an undefeated Miami when Clemson goes go south on October 21st for sure. Yeah, yeah. I want to end this segment by saying this. Both programs were very much in a swing state going into Saturday. Uh, A&M, I think, took a, a swing backwards, right? Yeah. I think that was a, a game that you needed to win just for the state of your program uh, to ease the the heat from Fisher's uh, chair and a really good swing for the trajectory of the Miami Hurricanes. Anyway, nonetheless, Aggies go into Miami, Coral Gables specifically, and take a take a take an L. 48 to 33. Oregon Ducks flew south to Lubbock, Texas. Got a win. 38 to 30. The over-under for this game was 70. <laughs> Just under. Just, oh, just under. under. The line was at Oregon minus four and a half. Bo Nix had himself uh, a dandy of a night, 32 for 44, 359 yards and two scores. Uh, Also rushed nine times, 46 yards, good for a 5.1 yard average. Good for the Ducks going into, you know, to a place like Lubbock, which is a hard place to win and get a win. Yeah, yeah, good for them, and and they had to have it because when you think about the way that Colorado is playing right now, hosting them in two weeks, um, you think about Utah down the line, USC down the line, then you've got uh, Washington State and Oregon State that are not those teams of old. Uh, they're much improved, or they they certainly look much improved. They had to have this game. Yeah, 
don't know where I stand right now on Texas Tech uh, because again we talked about it when we when we talked about their loss to Wyoming how much how much heat they were getting how much hype they were getting in the offseason uh, McGuire had really turned things around down there quick compared to where they had been really yeah. since the leech era ended um, you know really where they've been since then he, he had done some good things they've made a ball game if they make a bowl game this year after losing to Wyoming and, and how in hand they had the Oregon mm. game at, at moments, then they will be really doing something. He's a heck of a coach if they do that. But yeah. I don't know where I stand right now. Well, the good thing for them is they get a chance to to, to write the ship hosting Tarleton State and then traveling to West Virginia, which is very winnable for them, turning around sure. and hosting Houston, traveling to Baylor. I mean, you got a good chance there to go 4-0. But them sitting at 0-2, I want to say this. They're better than their record. Yeah. And I'm going to go on and say that week one loss to Wyoming, bad night, fluke, whatever. Props to Joey, uh, yep, Joey McGuire for for riding that ship. Yeah, I know you took an eight-point loss to Oregon, but you took an eight-point loss to a very good football team who's got who's got dudes at almost every position. Uh, yeah. They're well coached. And I want to point out <clears throat> regarding this game just how back and forth this was, jab for yeah. jab this was. Uh, Texas Tech got on the board first to make it 7 nothing, but then when it, it went 7-7, I mean, just blow for blow. I mean, what a yeah. game. It's, it's, a, it's a shame that Alabama took our eyes off of it, you know? It is, yeah. No, it is. Um also, you know, I've, I've given a lot of criticism to Bo Nix over my time. Still don't, still don't love him, but he, you know, he played a great game. The problem is on the other side. You have another Oregon transfer, Tyler Shuck, I'm going to believe is how I've heard that name pronounced, not show as it looks. I think I've heard it pronounced Shuck, which makes no sense. Um, yeah. Really unfortunate not for him. Three picks, one of them yeah. really sealing their deal there. Uh, the last touchdown for Oregon was the pick six that he threw. Mm-hmm. It, it's time for some of these guys that have been around forever to, I mean, graduate guys, graduate, go on to the pros. If you got it in you get out of the, get out of the game. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry to be closing the door so firmly on you, but you gotta have, gotta have better performances than that. I've said the mm-hmm. same about Bo Nix forever is why I'm even making this point. Uh, because I'm telling you at some point this year, it's probably going to go the other way. Bo Nix making a mistake that hurts Oregon. That's just how he's played so far in his history we'll see if he can overcome it this year but mm-hmm. yeah it's time to it's time to replace some of these these old old veterans that have been in the game with covid eligibility and things like that and i think that's that'll be a big thing for for mcguire and the red raiders once uh, the time comes down there yeah i'm gonna have a hard time putting a k in this guy's name because i just don't see it i'm gonna call him shall right. tyler shall 24 for 38 as you pointed out 282 yards three touchdowns three picks 24 completions he also had 23 rushes for yeah. 101 yards. You're going to have to find some other offense um, other than than your quarterback. Your next leading rusher in attempts was six carries. Yeah, and, and he netted 66 yards out of that. Why aren't you handing that guy the ball? Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I yeah, obviously he, he didn't see enough. 35. Had a longer 35, but I mean, even then, that's five five for 30 after that. So, I mean, what are we doing here? Knowing that the that the that the score sheet went back and forth, and you know the game ended on a pick six, so that really would have been thirty one thirty. You know, with the game being that close, you didn't have to abandon your game plan. Mm-mm. 
why does this guy not have more touches is really my question. But yep. uh, I really just want to end the segment by saying <clears throat> props to, Mc, uh, to Coach McGuire for, for turning around off a bad loss to Wyoming. One, why were you playing in Wyoming? Two, why did you lose that game? Back to the positive, though. Props to you for turning it around. Nonetheless, Oregon gets the win in Lubbock. 38-30, Ducks over the Red Raiders. Uh, that's going to bring us to the end of our show for today. Um, you know, we could spend some time talking about Auburn and Cal. Auburn going to California and freezing it over. I'm already tired of that. <laughs> I'm already tired of that. Already tired of it. Um, yep. And then you had, again, like things like North Carolina and Appalachian State. Don't know why schools continue to schedule Appalachian State. They're just, they're proven that they're going to get you somewhere, somehow, uh, at some point. And then I want to say there was another game that I just wanted to touch on very quickly. Was there something else out there? Oh, my gosh. Um, brain farting. Well, nonetheless, cue the music. Thank you guys so much for uh, hanging out with us again. Joel Klatt said it best. It's one of those weekends that just makes you fall in love with the game all over again. Oh, I know what I wanted to say. Poor Mel Tucker. Woo! Poor Mel Tucker. Life has happened fast in these Lansing. It came at you fast, big guy. Thanks for hanging out with us. Make sure you're liking and subscribing and do not be like Mel Tucker. Don't do what he did. Make sure you hit the like button. Make sure you subscribe. Appreciate you hanging out with us. I'm Dan. He's Mike. We love you guys. God bless. Go Vols. Here we go.